Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Welcome everyone and welcome to this week's guest, Kirsten Barfoot. Kirsten, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me, Ian. Good. I'm you excited. Say, oh, good. I was asking you about the pronunciation of your uh, name and you said that people are always calling you barefoot. <laughs> it's that true. Go? Oh, I, I especially love the ones who ask me to spell it. <laughs> so they ask me to spell my name B-A-R-F-O-O-T and then the letter or whatever it comes is got barefoot. And I'm like, why did you ask me to spell it if you were just going to do what you want anyway? Fantastic. Uh, I, <laughs> and I am barefoot right now. Just, just cool. thought I'd add that. Ugg boots for me. We're it's, in Queensland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> spend most of, your day, most of your time barefoot. Um, anyway, we digress. Yes. <laughs> Let's get to uh, what we wanted to talk about, which is your journey. And we were talking before we came on, and you were saying, well, what do you want the focus to be? And I was just thinking then, I was like, well, have I made that clear to the audience? And, and the intention for me is always the same. It's like through other people's journey of grief, how can we show the guest's journey, how they've overcome that grief, and how that's perfectly positioned and for what they do now, whether they have their own business or they're working for someone else, everything is, all our experiences play such a pivotal role. And for most of us, we have had a big moment. And for you, you were just talking about that moment where it felt like at the time that you'd lost everything. Mm. So could you tell us a little bit about what unfolded in the, in the lead up to that and then what was that event that left you feeling like that? Mm, I um, I had, I guess, you know, when you look at those parts of your life and you go, okay, that picture was perfect. Like on the outside, you would have gone, great job, great working environment, community, everyone cared about each other, had this partner, uh, on again, off again, that's always behind the scenes though. Um, uh, and... You know, all of the things, all of the things, money, houses, cars, all that, everything was, you know, that whole external success factor. And after going on a seven-week trip through South America, which was amazing, uh, I came back to this company and they were going through a big shift in, um, you know, like a merger. And my name was not on the list of continuing with the company. 
Wow. Which didn't come as a massive surprise, but it was sort of one of those things. It was a moment in time, you know, those moments in time when you go, okay, um, okay, this is obviously something is giving me a sign to do something. So I continued with this. Uh, people have, I have been called a Pollyanna before, which is like, you know, see the silver cloud in, in sorry, what is it? The silver lining, silver lining in, in, yeah. in every cloud. Um, so I was like, okay, that's fine. So we moved into state and this was not going well, this change in the relationship and all that kind of stuff. And I came back home and I found myself in this place with nothing. Like I'd gone through all my money. I didn't have another job. I was having an attempt at running my own business, was not doing a very good job of that. And the relationship had failed. Here I am lying on my parents' bed thinking, oh my God, like I have nothing. And I also was hyper aware of my age and that time is ticking and I had no children. And that just sent me into the spiral of sheer despair at how did I get to this place where I had nothing and I was so angry and I I screamed up to God like how did I get here like what I have nothing and I don't know how to explain it so I'm just going to do the absolute best I can was there was a voice or something I don't know, an energy that said, ah, Kirsten, you have everything. Now, I can tell you that I was not in this really beautiful, meditative, receptive <laughs> state to receive some kind of feel-good message from yeah. my highest self. This was definitely something that called from outside of me. So while at that point it gave me that moment of like, whew, just breathe, didn't all become clear in one moment, it's sure as anything, but it made me very calm and I was able to breathe. And now what I understand that message to be is it wasn't just for me wasn't just for me that is a message that is for everyone we all have everything we all have this access to something so extraordinary that is you know we still tend to see the source or this energetic god or whatever as as, as residing outside of us but our biggest power is when we can bring that source and know it as within us yeah and activating that potential within us spot on and i don't know about <laughs> i imagine every listener would have some moment like that uh, i know i can think of a couple where it's like wh where did the words come from that just popped into my head sometimes i even said them out loud and just like it was like involuntarily i'm like where did that come from and it's yeah. like like yeah, from within, this internal, eternal energy that's that's there. Mm. So you kind of did the fast version of that. I, I want to come back to like those moments, like so. 
So you get told that, that there's not a job for you. Now, I know you said part of that wasn't unexpected. I also know that everyone I've spoken to that I've helped through a redundancy or a job loss, there's been some element of grief. Even myself, when I got when I took a voluntary redundancy, so I chose to leave, mm-hmm. there's still an element of rejection that was felt. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they seem to let me go pretty easily there. They seem to agree to that too quickly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so what was that? What was that like? Was it is, is rejection that a word that resonates, or or was it something else, or was it more relief? Look, I think all of those things. Mm. Um, you know, it was the second job in a row that I had been made redundant from. So I can't tell you that my ego was like going hey, this is so awesome, like, wow. You know, if I may bring myself to the future and then reflect on how I see it now, uh, which I don't think I would have had that much um, cognizance at the time, but what I see now is that... um, I have this deep fear of inadequacy, of not being good enough. And so for me, I guess when those things, when I was made redundant, it would have just fueled that or made that belief true. Of course, I'm not good enough. And so there's that sense of like, oh, okay, cool. Well, that's just, that's just made that evidence procedure completely true, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so there was a lack of confidence to be, because at the time I was given an opportunity that not too many people would have been given. And I would, I saw it as a one chance. You get one chance to have that opportunity. You make it or you, if you lose it, that's it. You don't get another, you don't get another chance at that. Now this was never articulated to me. Nobody ever said it's one shot or you're out. Nobody ever said that. But that was my way of viewing that situation that I just would never be able to go in. And when I look back on it now, I think that was such a lot of shit. (laughs) Such a lot of bullshit. Like I could have gone to any number of people and said, hey, are you willing to give me another go? But because I didn't believe in myself or because I believed in the story that I wasn't good enough, then that became my reality. That became the truth that I lived by. And, you know, I, and I still have that ability to live by that truth. I have to really check in with myself uh, every day, every minute, every second, that what, what are the stories that I'm telling myself and really check in with those. Mm, so so I don't think those sorts of things ever go away or not in my experience. I don't feel like that story ever goes away, but the awareness of the story changes and my ability to now see it in a different way or accept that that is part of me, not make it wrong. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's good. It's a fantastic way of describing it because that's that's so true is that we, we, we learn more about the things that have been in the past as we go on the growth journey. I was, I was on a podcast this morning and, and the host was talking about this book that she'd read, um, Tell Better Lies, and it was talking about the stories we tell ourselves. <laughs> 
And it's <laughs> so, the, so dishonest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we do it because we're this oh, we meaning, it. we're creative, meaning making machine that oh, every situation God. we create a thousand things that we might have done wrong or, oh. or anything, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. We love it. It's like the drama, addicted to the drama of being exactly. wrong. Like, or yeah, it's, yep. it's, it's pretty funny, really. It is when you think about it. So, mm. so what you described there, the, um, the inadequacy, it's something that I can relate to a lot. And it's something that a lot of my clients relate to is that despite the fact that they're doing so well in so many areas, there's still this underlying fear of being inadequate. They feel it in so many different areas of their life. So knowing that now, like, do you look back at so many moments and think, wow, if only, if only I believed in myself and realized just how strong I am and, and, and backed myself, could I have done better? Yeah, but I think that's what life is. You know, we, um, we do always have the benefit of hindsight. We always have the benefit of looking back and going, oh, wow. Um, if I had have done that, like I look back and I think, wow, like people say, people would say to me, you just need to get a little bit more confidence. I was like, how can you just get a little bit more confidence? You know, that is the most unhelpful thing to say to somebody, you know, because what if, if you're not feeling confident or you just need to feel confident, okay, so how do I feel confident? And that confidence has come because I have mucked it up so many times, made so many mistakes so many times, stood back up so many times, done it better so many times. You know, that's how I get confident, just confident in knowing that I can, I can, um, you can get through it. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that came, sorry, you go. Sorry. I was going to say the other thing that came to mind was that, that that's the impact of confirmation bias, right? We we continue to seek out things to prove to ourselves that we are <laughs> inadequate or we are oh. mediocre or whatever. <laughs> I tell you, it's so funny. I understood this. This is why I think that the word truth really needs to be checked in with when people want to use that word because, like, your truth, my truth, the truth are all very, very different stories. Even my yeah. truth is a truth. Um. But we had to do this limiting uh, limiting beliefs questionnaire and it would come out with the your number one belief. And my belief was not good enough. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but that's that's true. It's not like a limiting belief. Like I that is actually true because my evidence procedure was on failure, on on things that didn't work out. So it's like you have to then have, I don't even know what the critical moment of shifting that was, but it is a critical element in the work I do with my clients now is let's shift that perspective. Like because the truth has many different sides to it. So which one do you want to have a look at? Do you want to keep seeing that one or do you want to open up your perspective and see something else? Yeah, well, I imagine the early step is is similar to to most people. Is it's the awareness, mm-hmm. like we, we were talking before about those moments where the where the voice just hits you. Like before I'd had a coach or a mentor, I'd listen to this guy, 
again and again talk about the importance of it and just cringe because I'm like, oh, that sounds expensive. It sounds this. It sounds that. And then when I went to this guy's event and then and then I went to sign up and he asked me, why did you want to do this? And I went, because I'm sick of being mediocre. And that sentence yeah. just came out of my mouth. And I remember thinking, where did that come from? Like it was just, it shot out before I had a chance to even think. And and through the lens of the conversation we're having now, it's like, yeah, I absolutely was. And leading up to that, there are still different times now where, where you just think, man, I could be so much doing so much better. It's it's the uh, it's the curse of the high performer or the perfectionist or the, mm. the maximizer who always sees how things could be better. So I don't mm. know if you can relate to that 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 feeling of just yeah, but this was good, but geez, I could have done that better. Yeah, yes, of course I can relate, and of course I can relate to the perfectionist, which the perfectionist is a dangerous, dangerous creature. The perfectionist, <laughs> um, because it's a stopper, and it will re-emphasize the not good enough, because it will stop any kind of creativity. Um, so I've forgotten what your question was. Your question was, can I relate to that? Yeah, that just that those those. But it's it's of- like n- n- noticing those because what has become like super super clear is that we. I don't know if you can relate, but this almost this fear of failing. The fear of failing, the fear of getting it wrong, the fear of all of those things. And then it's that perfectionist that will take over and say, I can never get it to that point of perfection. And then it never, ever gets anywhere. So now it's like, wow, wow. What does it look like to just give it a red hot go and fail? Like, what does it look like to just actually not get it right? Oh, what does it look like to accept the fact that I get angry sometimes? Would it be okay for me to accept that there are darker parts of me that maybe don't want everyone to know about, but they exist? Yeah. And is it okay? <laughs> I can be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like just relaxing into life instead of being so caught up in having to make it so perfect mm. it's and the conditioning runs so deep around that and when i had it explained to me it's like even when you go to school like there's a red pen mm. when you make a mistake and <laughs> we get really focused on the things that we don't do well and it, it just goes continues on the whole way through um even tongue-in-cheek comments like you know you do really well on something and someone jokes oh what happened with those other two or three mm. parts, whatever, and it's yeah. So the the repeat patterns on that. It's great that we can identify it in ourselves. Um, I, w- I would love to come back to the work that you do helping people, but I want to head back to that moment you talked about when when so you go from no job and then and then you're in that place where you suddenly get that voice. But what was playing out before that, like? You mentioned before we came on how you you didn't really feel like you'd had any of those big grief moments, the heartaches around someone passing away or any of those sorts of things. But in these moments, it's important for us to to highlight that 
that grief shows up in many different ways. So, so how did it show up for you prior to you having that epiphany? It's funny, isn't it? Because um, this is a really, really, you're asking a question that is not answered very honestly by us generally, I don't think. And I would not have answered this honestly, even if you had have asked me, I would not have known that I was in grief. I would have not accepted that I was having I was having a traumatic event in my life. I would have said, let's get on with it. I can do this. I'm a strong woman. I'm resilient. I can move through this. And I would have just gone on with it. And I have. It is only now, like very recently within the last couple of years, of really delving in to how things make me feel. How do I feel? As I said to you before, I have a very huge anger response to life. So that's how trauma or grief will show up for me. There will be an anger and a rage at life, as, as I told you about how I talk to God. So God responds very well to my angry voice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it shows up for me. You know, that's my response. And what, what I've found is that we can, this might be going off topic of what your question was. But let me just, is that we can make ourselves wrong for how we deal with our emotions because some people will feel them within them and some people will show them externally. Um, but let's, let's face it, that anger, no matter whether it's de dealt with within or without, it has seen as a very negative response. And so that can then add to the, um, the just not being... Um, able to cope with things yeah absolutely and um so i'm trying to go back to that question because what the the question that you asked yeah what what was what were, you don't you didn't necessarily associate it with grief but what what was playing out for you physically how were you feeling what fears were coming up like were you feeling stuck? You didn't know what to do. I mean, you mentioned that you yeah. kind of just got on with it, but were there moments there of like hopelessness? Yeah, totally. Um, I think when you said stuck is the right thing, I think it was more like spinning my wheels, just trying all manner of different things, trying to make them work because that's what we kind of go into is this whole do, 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 do. That's what I did, sorry do 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 mm. and um and it's kind of like that's the thing that hides we mask it up we mask up we haven't we i'll say that i did i masked up how i was feeling by constantly being in this place of action 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 and so this constant our focus is then external. It's like, how do I get the money? How do I move on in terms of a job or whether I want to go into another business? It's like constant distraction 
so that I don't have to necessarily feel what it is, the rejection, the abandonment, the not good enough, all of those things then get masked up by other things that are seemingly more important. Absolutely. Just a different avoidance tactic. So it, rather than not, it, not doing, doing a whole lot of other stuff that instead of what you should be doing, which is either, like you said, sitting in the emotion or getting on with the, the thing that will take you past whatever's got you stuck. Yeah, but it's it's sort of, I would say that it was, back then, it was an, an inability to even know what self-inquiry was all about. I was reflective. I was contemplative. I could reflect on many, many things. I used to reflect on how badly I behaved or all those sorts of things or how yeah. did I get it wrong? But there there wasn't that that inquiry as to how can I see this differently Oh, okay, I can acknowledge that I felt sad or in anger or what? What was that all about? You know, it was never in a helpful way. It was in a in a distracted um in a distracted non-helpful way. I guess what comes to mind is it, it kind of in a way that kept you in the drama like you described before. Yeah. Like, I think we that's part of the grieving process is we're not ready to move on from whatever the story is that there's attached to that until we are. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you said what's the intention of this is like to understand that each part of the journey actually leads us to, you know, where we are right now. And, and so all of those things really, um, did lead because I had to get to that point of sheer this is not working this is just I can't keep doing this the same way because I'm just I can't you know and that's where the whole thing blows up and you feel like so helpless you want to know about helpless yes I felt completely helpless I felt like I don't got this yeah 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 uh, again it's it's normal and People go through it and like you said before about anger, we, we try and pretend like we don't experience these things or that we call it negative and it's like, no, no, we just, sometimes it's just okay just to accept that at that time, I think people get to that point and then they sink lower because that's the time where you kind of need some help, right? Like I was, mm. as, as, as you were telling your story, I was reflecting on the time where I was like that. I wasn't lying on the bed but I was lying on the lounge room floor just going – how did I get here and now what do I do? And yeah. I don't remember being a voice, but there was a clear person that I was being encouraged in my head to reach out to. And, right. uh, but, but, and that's, yeah. that's the same thing. It's like it's going to be different for everyone, but it's, those cl it's the clarity that comes. Yeah. W yep. Whatever it is, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So when you then feel like you've lost everything, where do you start? Like, what is it just survival for a period of time? Mm. Yeah, I think um, survival, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Um, yeah. But what happened was I met my first mentor. So um, that was kind of like one of those instances I was just being really cheeky and I went oh, he had this book millionaire and I said oh, are you um 
so are you going to be a millionaire or some cheeky thing like that? And he goes, actually, I'm in the book. (laughs) 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 Oh, (laughs) so anyway, he ended up giving me the book. He gave me the book and he said, yeah, you you take it. And and he put his card in there and um, just so we're really clear, this was all very above board kind of interaction. It was a divine interaction. It wasn't any kind of messiness um and 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 he really he really just you want to talk about opening up to a a different perspective that was that was what supported me he opened me up to these concepts of like being grateful being grateful for things that we might not be grateful for like you don't want to be grateful for the fact that you've lost your job but what did it bring to you? Like just really opening me up to this concept. And as I said, you know, I've always been a bit of a person who's looked at the, the uh, what is it, the silver lining. But when I think that when you can look at a situation that has been really hard and find something that you can be grateful for it. What did it bring you? What lesson did it, how did it make me grow or something like that? You've kind of transmuted the energy from a negative experience to a growing experience. And that's what life is like. It's not that we want to get rid of the trauma or get rid of the the, the grief. It's like, actually what, what can, how, like if we're going to look at life as a masterpiece, it's not devoid of the messiness. It's not devoid of the dark pieces. It's the dark pieces give it the the beauty, give it the exquisiteness that is unique only to each individual. So, you know, that was a real game changer in how I viewed this was, that was when he was, he was the one who, asked me why didn't you do such and such and I said I'm not good enough and he he like literally just took his breath he was like I can't believe you just said that like he he was taken back by the force of saying I'm not good enough and that was the first time that became a conscious awareness that that was the belief that I carried yeah I I imagine that if you'd been attracted to him, there would have been part of him that was triggered by that as well. <laughs> That's probably, yeah, he was, he was definitely like taken aback. Like there was a mm. physical reaction to I'm not good enough words. Mm. Wow. So um, I think you'll like this quote. You talked about messy. Uh, Robin Sharma says, all change is hard at first, messy in the middle, and gorgeous at the end mm-hmm. and that's a great description of what grief's like as well and if if i can take anything from that part of the story that you just share there is that when when you're ready you'll find the gift in your grief mm-hmm. and sure we we wish the events didn't happen and if it's the loss of someone we, we would love to have those people back but when you can find the gift it changes everything. I, again, reflective, I was drawn immediately to to where I had that moment around my dad's passing. It was like on the train, and I'm like, "Wow!" Like I wouldn't have done the things that I've done since then to improve, unless I'd been through that. 
Mm. And then yeah. you talked about some of that spiritual side. To me, that's when you start thinking that of that tapestry of life that you talked about. It's like, was this even meant to happen? Was this meant to happen? Like, mm. did I need to go through this? I'm getting goosebumps as I say it, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm just a believer that some things are meant to happen. I, I liked how I referenced this a few times lately, um, Karen Chaston, who was on, I, I'm not sure if you know Karen, she she has a, a business around grief. Her, her son uh, must have been 18, I think. She um, wakes up in the morning, goes to the front door, and there he is dead. He, he got to the front door at like, late at night and then collapsed and no one found him to the morning. Yeah. And she, part of her making sense of that was, well, I, 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 he guides me in my business now and I believe firmly that we sat down before we came into this world and had a conversation about how it was going to go. Yeah. And whether you buy into that or not, it just it's a beautiful way of making sense of something yeah. that often we just can't make sense of. It's it's the empowering way, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like we can we all have the choice. We have a choice of how we want to view things. We can totally and no way is wrong or, no. or right for that matter. It just is the way it is. It's that truth you talked about before. That's the truth. Like yeah. the truth. You know, I was so it's so funny with that truth word, like how much I will, you know, something happened and I was like, you know, I held that belief with a, on my perceptions, my perception of how things are playing out. And and I will hold that as T with a ca- truth with a capital T, you know, there was no, n- nothing was getting through that. And something happened and I was like, my perception was completely wrong. And from then on, I had to downgrade that truth to a, a little T. It was just a little T. I was like, oh. <laughs> and from then on, I was like, just watch, watch when you call something a truth. Like, what does truth really mean? Because it sure as anything, 7 billion people around the world, 7 billion truths. And, you know, are they right or wrong or just the way that they are? You know? Exactly. And it's a great time to reflect on that given the amount of uh, capital T <laughs> truth that people were spitting, spewing forth, and you know, like over that time. And everyone thought they knew the truth and you know, everyone knew their facts and everyone became an yeah. expert in all these different areas. But yeah. ultimately the only place that you can come back to is that, is that self-truth. I still think it's got a capital because if it's your own truth, it deserves a capital. <laughs> but as you say, it's true at the time until you're provided with new information yeah. that will show you that the truth's actually something else until that's yeah, proven to be wrong as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, anyway, as you say, I, I like what you said. It's true in the present moment and, and it can always be upgraded or downgraded in my, in my, in my uh, experience. Just, just, just sometimes, just sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, eventually it leads to the upgrade though right yeah that's right that's right it was pretty funny I was like oh my gosh wow awesome now how do you go from well actually I think we got a bit off track there because I said to you how how did you go about taking action oh that's right you got to so you've met your mentor now Mm. did that get you sort of heading in the right direction quickly 
or was that just a stepping stone to something else that really sped up the process? Oh, Ian, I have to be very, very honest with you. There is nothing about my journey, other than the way I like to do it, that is quick. Everything has been slow. Everything has been the winding road. Everything has been about backtracking and going, I didn't get that quite right. I need to do it again. Oh, my God. And then doing it again a different way because... As I have found out, I'm very much the experiential, very much the experimental. And now I'm okay with it. But honestly, to God, that has been so frustrating because people seem to have it all together. They get there really quickly. And I'm like, oh, my God, but why is my game so slow? They're oh my lying. god they don't yeah. they don't really have it all together it's just people get really good at projecting where they're at <laughs> so, so no I, I as i said i liked i'm the kind of person which i have to learn to slow down because somebody once said to me oh you're the kind of person who likes to jump and then find the parachute and i was like that is a perfect description <laughs> of how i like to do life yep <laughs> but Sometimes, you know, the parachute hasn't opened up in time for me to uh, land safely. No, that's not true because I've always landed on my feet safely. But it's I probably broke a couple of ankles along the way, which really it could have been avoided by just slowing down a bit. So now it is very much a journey of like just... Even though I'm the kind of person who can make decisions quickly, I now even practice just saying, can I think about it? Just because I'm practicing what it's like to slow down, not for any other reason other than to just like, does it have to be answered right at this second? No. So do you want to just give yourself like an hour or two just to think about that? Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. It's the mm. uh, curse of the people pleaser, right? I've got to, <laughs> I've got to give them an answer. I've got, to, got to, and mostly I've got to say yes. Well, two yeah. things: I don't want to miss out; it might be good. Or yeah, I really, I really should help them. But but on the flip side, is like we get so much out of being involved and and helping. So there's a there's a real win from it as well. But I like that as well. It's like. Don't dive into something saying yes only 24 hours later to go, shit, I should not have said yes to that. It's way mm. better just to take your time. Maybe don't even give any response in the first 24 hours. That, that's right. And, I mean, it's not to say that you're not going to do it yeah. or, or, or that it's it, – it, I think also the pause, the time to pause gives you a time to go, I'd like to do it but maybe this would be better for me or, you know, just giving the added extra because the the people pleasing does come up, you know, we all want to make everyone else happy. We, we live for that, you know, and so it's not like we don't get to be selfless, but we also get to be selfish in the way that we give of ourselves from a place that we have a lot to give rather than going, Oh my God, I hate doing this. I wish I hadn't have agreed to it. Mm-hmm them becoming you know resentful resentful, and i think that when we go against our soul we are telling our soul that it's it's not good enough or it doesn't get to be heard or it doesn't have a voice or those (laughs) yes (laughs) like a 
I'll just wait. <laughs> no, it, it just made me. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's like it's like when you ask for something, and then the universe delivers, and you go, "Yeah, but maybe I don't want that. Maybe I uh, maybe that's too expensive. Maybe." And it's like, no, like you've asked, you've been given, receive it, because that's the, the, the message you want to tell the universe is. I want more of that. And and for those, again, who like more of the logical scientific thing, talk about your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind has found the solution to what you're asking. It's given it to you. And then you don't accept it. It gets confused. It's like, well, what, what do you want? So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Absolutely just take it. So I want to come back to the, the learning, right? Like, so you've come out the other side of this and you said, okay, well, it didn't go 100 miles an hour, but what were the key learnings in those, in those early years coming out the side of, other side of that um, fog? Well, definitely uh, slowing down is a, it has been a big one. It's like, um, I think that just gets, like that deeper aspect every time. Um, understanding that there is no right and no wrong. So, you know, we like to say, yes, that was the right thing to do or no, that was the wrong wrong thing to do. And yet it's never wrong. Like you talk about, you know, grief, everything having its place. It's like even the wrong turns the perceived wrong turns turn into something. It's like it's the breakdown before the breakthrough. It's like you have to have that awareness of what didn't work so that you can come to the place of like the clarity, the additional like, okay, this is what does work. Okay, let's keep going. And then there's always going to be those choices, which way? So, um, so acknowledging that there's no right and wrong um, it just is. And if we can view life as a neutral event, that actually supports our whole life, our health, our yeah. mind, everything, you know, our well, yeah. well-being. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of it's not the uh, making the wrong decision that's the problem, it's the taking too long to make a decision, the, the, the indecisiveness. <laughs> All roads will lead to the same place if you want it to. So just get on with it, make a decision, and get and and away you go. It, it comes back to something you were talking about before, is like um, uh, the perfectionism. It's like mm. I remember a coach saying to me, "If you're not embarrassed by the first stuff that you put out to the world, well, then you took too long." Mm. Thankfully, I get really embarrassed when I look back at some of my, not embarrassed, oh, but you just, you read some of the things you put oh, in like, God, just yeah. I can't but, go yeah. and watch any of my videos anymore. I'm like, oh my God. Who even is that stop person? Talking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, stop talking. Yeah. yeah. But it's, but again, it's, it's, it was the truth at the time mm. and it's part of the growth. And the alternative would be to, to still see the same person that you are now. And having gone nowhere, which I did that for thirty-eight years or something, so mm. I, I much prefer this uh, this version. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm sure you didn't just stay the same for thirty-eight years. You might think that, but I, I do not think that that is T with truth with a capital T. 
of course, but that's that's how it feels like when you're uh, when you're when you're on the treadmill, right? Yeah, it does feel like that. Yeah. There, there's something else I would like to add because I think it's important is like giving grace to ourselves. You know, the the fact that I think we can be very hard on ourselves. I think society is hard. You know, hard on lots of ideals and things like that and then we become like this is the way it is this is the way it should be but if we can be graceful for the things that don't work out or the things that we wish didn't happen if we can actually bring that element of grace to it it does harmonize how we can be in the world yeah i love that and you, you talked about one of the early things that being being grateful, being appreciative, seeing the goodness, appreciating all that's good. You talked about the gift and the grief. It's like the more you can focus, even in the struggles of of what's good, the more that you will bring in. You get stuck in yeah. the drama. That's what you'll invite in. That's it's yeah, because that's all you can see. Yeah. So, yeah. Was there was there another mentor or guide who who taught you something like or a moment where suddenly a new awareness had you coming at the yeah. world in a completely different way? Yeah, um, the biggest mentor I can was was actually Dr. Joe Dispenza. So he'll probably be a popular popular dude because bit of a life-changing experience for a lot of people yeah um but you know I started um I read his first well his second book um changing the habit of being yourself which is interesting because it's like it's the habit of being who we are and we're like um okay um and I really do attribute doing the work with that book to me having a successful pregnancy because I was having miscarriages. So, oh, see, I forget. I forget about the things that are hard. You know? uh, and, and and some of the grief in your life because you said you had, yeah, had much, miscarriages. Yeah, is pretty so that, was, that was pretty big. That was actually a bit of a yeah. life. Yeah, because you see, the thing that. is I, I have – I have I had the successful pregnancy, so I actually do believe he was the he was always the soul. It was just me and the creation that were oh. that was struggling. So I don't actually I feel like I lost a soul as such. I feel like he was just trying to make it in, and I couldn't hold it, and so it was. Um, so that's that's the way I see it. I, yeah. So I know that that's Be- that's not beautiful. the way that some people see it, but um, that is the way that I see it, and I think that's probably why it it's not like this. But it was very difficult to go through that at the time. Like that was you want to know that thing in the dark place. That was a dark place. Nothing was going right. But that was when I realized how much of this energy I stored about not being good enough, just all of those fears of still not being good enough to, you know, to bring life into the world and was this ever going to happen? Was I ever going to make this happen? So uh, back to your question about Dr. Joe Dispenza. 
I um, was on the meditative journey and um, and so I believe that it was through that work that I made this pregnancy a success. And so um, a couple of years later, I reintroduced myself back into the work when I was going through marriage difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that is funny, but I'm just laughing at the things that would be grief uh, orientated and realizing that <laughs> there are some core elements of my life that you could say hold a substantial amount of grief. Um, so, so the work allowed me to come back into who I was, who I wanted to be in the world. And it allowed me to come back into the alignment of who am I? What are my life values? What am I going towards? I have now this baby son. I want him to grow up in this beautiful environment. And it was becoming very apparent that my husband and I were not providing that nurturing environment. And, um, and, and so after having a meditation, I realized that this conversation had been going on for a long time that this conversation had been wanting to be aired, but I was not seeing it and I was not open to, to that being the reality. And so from that place, we were able to have a really mature conversation about that this was probably time to dissolve the marriage. And so the while the decision is not made lightly, it has not been an acrimonious separation. It was very um, amicable. It was very, um, it does not mean I don't get angry at times, I do, but I um, do not ever engage in the conversation until I am in a place that we can have a, a, a decent conversation. So... You know, so he, I would say that Dr. Joe Dispenza has been a very critical mentor of mine. And the reason why I, I like him so much is because I can take the, the teachings and then I can go away and I can experiment with it and do my own thing without anyone actually saying, yes, you're doing it right. No, you're doing it wrong. All that kind of stuff. So that was, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah. The best stuff that we, teach people and that we do it always comes from our own experimentation we mm. pretty much there's not too many new ideas anymore right everything sort of come mm. from a conglomeration of a whole lot of uh, other stuff but yeah it's always we we take the learning and and then make it better uh yeah absolutely but dr joe is a good place to start uh he's got some pretty cool stuff out there i've, I've been listening to the attractor factor recently just to go over I've, can't remember when I got that originally, but just a just a bit of a revision of some of those things. He's got some some great work. You said you you, you mentioned a, a kind of touched on a bit of this now. You said that, that that going through that experience of losing everything, and you said it was like a, a mystical experience. So, talk to me more about a mystical experience, because for some people listening to that might go, oh, a picture like a movie or something and a, like a, mm. and a, and a forest with um, fairies and whatever else. But, yeah. But what are, what are we talking You've got to be careful using the mystical word, don't you? And I, mm. I think I felt for so long that you can't use that word mystical because it does conjure up. But the way this is another thing I like about Dr. Joe, he says anyone who's on the search 
for God or to know God. And I was like, yeah, well, that's it. It's about the divine. But not only is it about that search for the divine, but it's to search for the divine within me. Yeah. It's like it's not something outside of me. Um, anyway, getting back to your question about mystical. So it can be anything. Like I don't want to put somebody off who is like a is like I don't believe in God. Okay, so it's something that you believe in that is a higher being of yourself, like uh, your unconscious. You used that word before. If you want to use like this scientific, it's your subconscious that's there to give you a higher aspect of what we will think about on a on an analytical level or a conscious level. But, you know, people who believe in God, it's like God, it's universe, it's the energetic frequency around us, it's like the all-being, all-oneness. But a mystical experience would be, I would call it like those moments of clarity that you talked about. You said, oh, I didn't hear a voice, but I had a very clear picture of who I needed to talk to. Mystical experience. Yeah. It's that moment of clarity that you do not dispute. There is no question that there was an there was truth in that and and even if it was even if you followed it up and there wasn't it didn't go to fruition something came out of that interaction that that you went okay I knew I needed to do that call it intuition if you like it can be intuition yeah absolutely did, Great did we cover all the words it could possibly be because I think so. <laughs> the, the other thing I wanted to, to highlight is it's usually a full body experience too. So we may get a voice, we may get a nudge, but there's something in our body that's just like we we might feel Listen. it as, yeah. Pay attention to that. Attention. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, whether you, whether you buy into how you want to view this energy, it's within all of us. Yeah, Absolutely quieten our self and our mind and our life and slow down long enough then it, it is amazing what we will hear and then acting on it and usually the, the most people relate to the gut feel and acting on it and then realizing how good was that or not acting on it and then realizing all too late that you should have like mm. how much more confirmation do you need that there's there's something going on beyond just what we think at a, at a conscious and logic level i'd love to hear more about how you're now helping people yourself, Kirsten. So you, you mentioned before we came on about really helping people to focus on their, their gifts and, and their purpose. Mm. Well, um, last year I published my book. It was called The Inner Wealth Code. And it was about drawing people within. So we tend to, as society, see the answers outside of us. I think that's a natural thing. We'll see that we'll see the external as providing that stimulus for us. So the book was about coming within and really seeing that those answers within that exist within us. Our value is within us, and it's that un, under, ongoing the journey towards that deeper experience. Um. And then I, um, I found something else. I found something else and um, enter in my next mentor, 
was Richard Rudd, who is the, um, he did the Gene Keys. And somebody introduced me to this work and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I did my profile and I could see it and I read it and I was like, okay, I can really get this. It's like reading um, the stars. And then I got the book and I read what my life's work, work's gift was in resourcefulness. And the way he described it in three paragraphs was what my book was about. Wow. Which took me 188 pages to write. <laughs> Some people like so more So I get context. to just like, I'm like, wow, okay. So, yes. So, so when I read that, I was like, oh, my God. So here I am. I'm, in, I'm embodying that gift anyway. I have it. It's part of me. It's not like it's outside of me. I'm trying to get it. No, 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 no. It is there. And then I read this whole thing about the inadequacy and I understood my inadequacy was in not knowing. That's the inadequacy, not knowing, not being good enough, whatever. The innate essence is in wisdom. And get this, this is the paradox. The wisdom is in not knowing. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Do you just love that or what? Yeah, so yeah. here I am, I'm like hooked as anything because now I can see that this is like we are doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. Everyone who I have done these, these profile uh, sessions with, doing it. It's not like it's any major surprise, but what is the major surprise is that it becomes conscious. And now not only can we see what the challenges are because we love noticing those challenges and how they bounce around, now we have additional wisdom of like going, okay, well, this is my path to get to the innate essence, which also is not outside of me. It's it within me. And so it's an activation of those keys, of those words, of those essences within us to then how do we want to how do we want to express those in the world? So it's not about what we do necessarily, but how we do it. How do I want to express my resourcefulness or my wisdom in my life's work? It's like, this is how I choose to do it. But it wouldn't matter how I chose to do it. It's bringing the essence of that into all that I do. So it really has been a transformational um, path for me, but not only for me, it's for, for my clients who have just come in and they're like, oh, my God, you know, so much can shift in, you, you, like, you just can't believe how much can actually shift in changing the way that we see things. So, you know, going back to that whole perspective thing, this really provides a tool for people to see a different picture for ourselves. Brilliant. Like, as I said, the brilliance of, like, your inadequacy is in the unknown, is in not knowing, and then the wisdom is in the unknown. <laughs> it's just hilarious. It makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, my God, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, well, it comes back to that thing that I've spoken to about on the uh, podcast before is it, it can be both. The duality of so many different things, like grief, can be horrific, but they all can also can be amazing light and joy in it. Mm. And that's it. 
we can be searching for more knowing, but on the other side of that, just realize how much more we don't know. Mm. There's, a, there's a beautiful pie chart that's got this little tiny slither that says things I know uh, and then things I know that I don't know and then the rest mm. of it's all things that I don't know that I don't know and and that's, yeah, that's that's what I love to to help people open up to and it sounds like that's yeah. exactly what you're doing through this, uh, through the, the tools that you've got but also your own awareness. So mm. when you wrote that book, did you suddenly think, oh, now I need to write another book because I need to make adjustments? Uh, no, I just think that the book was, it's, I I think in, if you were to read it, if this was an introduction into you, into spirituality, into coming in, I think it's still, it's still fine. It's great. Um, can it be deeper? For sure. I think it was a very safe book to write. I think I was definitely in flow and it definitely had a, a trajectory to take people on a journey. Um, but, yeah, I could um, definitely write a different one, a mm. new one. Yeah, I just, you get new knowledge, right? Yeah. I was actually the other doctor, Joe, Dr. Joe Vitale, was talking about mm. when he when he discovered uh, Ho'oponopono and then he says to to his mentor who taught it to him, he's like, oh, does that mean I just need to throw my first five books in the bin? And it's like, no, no, that, that will be perfect for someone who's up to that point in their journey. Yeah. And it's like any anything, it's ever, anyone who's ever created anything, it's like, I don't know, it'll still be valuable. Yeah. You may look back at it and not think it's perfect, but for someone else it'll be just what they need to hear. Yeah. It's, Look, I think there's always, this is the thing about the perfectionist. And one of the chapters was going to be the perfectionist gremlin, but I, I changed that because it was actually something else that could be a little bit more valuable. But, um, you know, I will still look back on that as being one of my most um, favourite accomplishments. It's like I, I wrote it, I put a lot of energy, a lot of effort into it, um, I believe in it, um, but yeah, it's 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 always you can always go deeper onto things, can't you? Of course, absolutely. Is there any message that that you'd love to share with your audience? You've talked a lot about a number of different topics. The the word inadequacy is the one that seems to have shown up a fair bit. Is there anything you would love to share with someone who perhaps is really relating to that and thinking, okay, well, that's all well and good, but what do I do about it? Yeah, totally. Um, you know what? My favourite thing is, first of all, give yourself grace. Be gentle on yourself. Be kind. Um, you know, that inadequate part of you is so beautiful and it's, it's, it's part of you for a reason. Um, it has so much valuable information for you. And, um, you know, just like we don't like being rejected, we don't like being abandoned, that inadequate part of you doesn't like being rejected or abandoned either. And it wants to be seen, it wants to be heard, it wants to have significance, it wants to have relevance. And so just give it some airspace, give it some space to be seen and heard 
And you're really going to discover some amazing gold that that inadequate part of you has to share. It's just amazing. Take it from someone who knows. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That is so great and so true. Oh, man, where was I going with that? I had... um... I'll have to come back to it. Um, so, so when you go, oh, that's what I was going to say, is that you were talking before about we have this this fear of like of um, well, what if I'm not good enough and what if I'm inadequate. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. The duality again that that we mentioned before is like there's the fear of well, what if I am really good, and what if everything goes really, really well. And some people go, oh, I don't think I have any fear about that. It's like, well, are you sure? Because the part of the inadequacy was your your mind's way of keeping you safe by, like, if you do that, you're going to open yourself up for emotional pain or, or mental pain. Mm-hmm. So it's probably better if you don't really stand in the spotlight too much because someone might cut you down or something. So it's like um, what did um, a friend of mine call it this week, calculated mediocrity happy to stay in that sort of space so i'd love to hear your thoughts on that is like how much of that um inadequacy comes through to uh, maybe an unconscious belief around not being too successful yeah nice one it's a really good question too so and just so happens that um i went through this um this question for myself and it came around the wasn't so much the success, it's around responsibility. It's like, can I handle the responsibility? Can I handle, can I be trusted with the responsibility? Am I the right person for the responsibility of this? And so it's like while we might on the surface say, yeah, of course I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I'm a responsible person, of course, because we like to just like, but it's like, what's, what's the underlying question and what would you like to create? So it's not that that doesn't exist. Those are valid fears or uncertainties. So it's like it's not discounting them or saying that they're not true. They are true. They're, they're parts of you that, that believe that. So it's you've got that side of you and then what is the side of you who is responsible who is successful, who can handle it, who can be trusted with it. What does that person look like? What does that person do? How does that person carry out? And it's like even if you want to go into a visualisation exercise, putting yourself in a circle of where this is a truth for you, how does that feel? How how are you, um, what's happening? You know, just try and put yourself in those situations and acknowledge what comes up. You know, if things come up, it's not, don't discount it. Like, look at it. It's okay. It's safe. Yeah. You know, and and if you feel like you'd be better off having somebody to ask you the questions, then then go towards those people. But, you know, you you are powerful within yourself to to go on that journey. But as, as Ian has said, like, you know, sometimes it is beneficial to have somebody ask you the questions. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm always trying to empower people to do it themselves. But if they want help with the implementation, then then absolutely, because either way, I'm, I'm a fan. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think sometimes, you know, even with interviews, you will ask different questions than I will ask myself. So, like, you asked me quite a number of questions and I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't even thought of that. Like, you know, so, um, so yeah, there is benefit in, in going deeper with somebody else. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah, I think, you, I think you really highlighted the benefit of talking to someone there because, like, so much of the conversation we've been so on the same page with but we come at it for a different angle and it, and I've yeah. written a few things down there myself of like, yeah, right. Okay. That's it. It's just a, a different <laughs> perspective on the same problem and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Really cool. uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Where can people find you, Kirsten? I'm going to give Ian, I'll give you my um, link tree and it'll have all the, it'll have all the links to contact me. Awesome. Kirsten, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate all your sharing and openness and truth with capital and little T's. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been very enlightening and I hope this has been helpful. And uh, thanks for having me. I'm sure it absolutely will be. You are welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.